You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today, we have a special guest missionary with us. Let's prepare our hearts as our guest missionary brings forth God's truths from his word today. If you would, please open your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1. Stand with me, if you would, as we read God's Word. Jeremiah chapter 1. We're going to go ahead and read all 19 verses. It says, The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, and to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, What seest thou? And I said, I see a seething pot, and the face thereof is towards the north. Then the Lord said unto me, Out of the north an evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. For lo, I will call all the families of the kingdoms of the north, saith the Lord. And they shall come, and they shall set every one his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem, and against all the walls thereof round about, and against all the cities of Judah. And I will utter my judgment against them, touching all their wickedness, who have forsaken me, and have burned incense unto other gods, and worshipped the works of their hands. Thou therefore gird up thy loins, and arise, and speak unto them, all that I command thee, be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. For behold, I have made thee this day a defense city, and an iron pillar, and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to be here this evening. You are so good to us, Lord. No matter what happens, no matter what comes our way, Lord, we can trust in you. You are God eternal. You sit on the throne of heaven and earth. Lord, we worship you, and we are so privileged to do so. Help us this evening, Lord, as we uh, study your word. Guide us, teach us, Lord, that we would hear from you. If we meet Lord, and do not hear from you, then it's in vain. But if we hear from you, Lord, then it is worth it all. Lord, change us, make us more like you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
We are not going to go verse by verse, <laughs> take too long. So uh, try to keep it brief. This passage of scripture uh, isn't your typical missionary passage. But if you look at it, it speaks to all Christians of the calling of God. All children, all, all, all of us, if, if we are saved, we have been called of God. God is a plan for each and every one of us, something that he desires for us to do. Are we willing? Are we yielded? Are we going to allow God to accomplish his will in our lives or not? Here in Jeremiah, we see very clearly the calling of God in the life of Jeremiah. We have the setting, the time of, of Jeremiah's calling. It's not just a, a fairy tale. It's not just a story. These are, these are, it's actually happened. God came and spoke to Jeremiah. Says verse 4, says, The word of the Lord came unto me. You know, I thought about that when I was studying this passage of Scripture. The word of the Lord came unto me. And I remember, I, I grew up in church. Um, I was saved when I was five years old. Uh, I gave my life to the Lord when I was 12. I said, Lord, uh, I, I had the privilege of, of growing up in, in, in Christian camp ministry. My dad was a pastor. He, he, took, uh, he became a pastor when I was seven years old. Uh, we, we were involved in, in, in a Christian camp out in Utah. That's where I'm from, in Utah. No, we're not Mormons. <laughs> First thing I ever say uh, when I tell people I'm from Utah, oh, are you a Mormon? No, I'm not. <laughs> uh, my mom was, my grandpa was, both of them have been saved. Uh, but uh, we have a Christian camp out there, and I grew up. My dad, uh, uh, my dad has always worked with horses his whole life. Uh, the camp runs horses. We do trail rides, uh, teach kids how to do uh, horsemanship, how to care for horses, all that good stuff. And so he'd be up there all summer long. He'd take off of work for six weeks and, and help at the camp. And, and he'd take us up there with us, with him. He'd drop us off up at the, uh, at the director's office. And he said, here's your, here's your help for the summer. If they need to clean bathrooms, change the toilet paper in the outhouse, whatever it needs to be done. It's a rustic camp. We do have outhouses. <laughs> uh, actually, I don't think they use them anymore. But when I was a camper, we used them. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we were the summer help. We did dishes. We cleaned up. We set up chairs, tables, all that kind of good stuff. And I loved it. I loved it. And so when I was 12 years old, you know, I would, uh, I was, we were challenged at, uh, as, as campers, what do you want to do with your life? Have you considered what God wants you to do? And I just remember thinking, you know what? The best times of my life have been when I've been up at camp serving God. Those are the times where God challenged me. They were the times where, where I learned the most about God. Hard times sometimes because what kid doesn't make a fool of themselves? <laughs> sometimes, you know, being a kid, doing stupid things, getting called out by the director in front of everybody, that's really humbling. <laughs> but even in all that, I couldn't think of anything I wanted to do with my life, anything that could compare was serving God. And so I surrendered my life to the Lord. I said, Lord, whatever you want from me. If you want me to flip burgers at McDonald's, if you want me to work construction, if you want me to 
be a missionary or a pastor, Lord. I'll do it. You, die, you have my life. It's yours. But anyways, uh, back to the passage. It says, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, when I was a kid, I used to think, man, it'd be so awesome to hear God speak to me. You know, because I heard the stories, you know, growing up, the Sunday school stories, how God spoke to different people at different times. And I thought, oh, man, that'd just be life-changing, right? If we could hear God speak to us like that. Well, I've come to realize God does. <laughs> this is God's Word, His written Word, and it is just as powerful and it is just as important as the spoken word. Now, we don't have the privilege of hearing God speak to us like the, he did in the Old Testament. This is God's chosen way of revealing himself and re making his will for our lives known. And it's right here in our hands. And it's better than hearing his word because we have access to it any time. This is God's word. It is power to change lives, to give direction. And the word of God came to Jeremiah. And this is what God spoke to him. It says, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. You know, it wasn't just Jeremiah that God knows. <laughs> Out of the billions of people in this world, God formed each and every one in our mother's bellies. And just as he knows intimately Jeremiah and formed Jeremiah for a very specific purpose, God has formed each and every one of us with the same love, with the same care, and with the same desire that one day, at the appropriate time, God would call upon us and that we would be ready. That hasn't changed. Jeremiah is not special in any way, in any sense where he's more special than you and I to God. He was chosen just as you and I are chosen. And it says that God knew him and before he was even born, before he came forth out of the womb, God says to Jeremiah, I sanctify you. Now, that word sanctification is an interesting word. We understand it. It means to be set apart, to be a holy thing. You know, I got thinking about that. One time I was teaching sanctification in Bolivia. I said, how am I going to teach these people what it means to be sanctified? And so God brought this illustration to my mind. Uh, I've been to the doctor a lot of times, uh, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> usually for dumb things. <laughs> But on occasionally, uh, I had my appendix out when I was 11. That was not fun. Uh, but when you go to the doctor, it's never because you feel great, right? Oh, life's good. I think I should go to the doctor today. No, <laughs> something's wrong, usually. Pain somewhere where there shouldn't be pain. A bad feeling, you know, where there shouldn't be a bad feeling, and you go to the doctor. Okay, so imagine that you're on your way to the doctor's. You've just been under the weather, or, or something's wrong, and you know something's wrong. So you go, you go to the doctor. And uh, in Bolivia, let me just tell you, the hospitals are not these beautiful, pristine, white buildings that we think of when we think of hospitals. Uh, I've been into more than one hospital on occasion where I go, 
boy, I, uh, I hope I leave as good as I'm going in. <laughs> you know, it's kind of scary. Um, but uh, so anyways, imagine that you're going to the doctor, you got it, uh, and the doctor says, you know what, something's terribly wrong. We got uh, to operate right now, man. Right now. So, uh, you know, we're in Michigan, and hunting's a big thing, fishing, right? So uh, taxidermists, you know, are on, in high demand usually up here. Uh, imagine that your doctor has a side hobby. He's a taxidermist or, or a butcher, okay? It's hunting season. Uh, actually, hunting season's, season's over, just passed. But, but let's just, for the sake of the story, it's hunting season. The doctor's on call. He gets the call. You know, so-and-so, he's, he, he's got it. he needs an immediate surgery. We need you now, doc. Come on over. We're going to prep him. We're going to get him ready. So off you go into the room, and you're in that uh, gown. You're laying on the bed. Uh, the doctors are, are all present. In comes the surgeon. Okay, he, he was right in the middle, uh, uh, you know, uh, butchering somebody's 10-point buck. Uh, I don't know why you guys call them 10-point bucks. They're only five. You know, we out west, we only count one side. <laughs> we, don't have to, we don't have to exaggerate. <laughs> Our deer are real deer. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So it's a 10-point buck. And uh, really, it's five. But you come in there, and um, he comes in, he, wa- he walks in, and he's wearing a, uh, his, his bloody, stained, dirty bibs. And he's got deer hair all over him. Okay? And in his hands, he's got his butchering knives. And he goes, all right, let's get to work. <laughs> if you had half a brain, you'd be out of that chair, and you'd be running for the door as fast as you could. Man. Why? Because that doctor is contaminated. He's filthy. He's dirty. If he touches you, if he starts operating on you with those knives and, and that blood-stained bibs and overalls that he's got on, you're going to get gangrene or some kind of infection, and, and your chances of survival and recovery are way worse than if you just carry on how you are. Why? Because yeah, the instruments are not sanctified. Now, What you expect when you go to a doctor, you expect that doctor to come in with gloves and mask, nurse, scalpel, and she takes off a clean tray that has been decontaminated, that has been sterilized, and these tools, these instruments, they're only used for surgery. The doctor doesn't use the scalpel, the scalpel that he's going to perform surgery with. He doesn't use it as a letter opener. He doesn't use it in his kitchen when it's time to prepare meals. It has got a single purpose, and it is carefully, pristinely taken care, care of. And not only that, but he doesn't use it from patient to patient without cleansing it first. Every time it's used, it's got to be cleaned and washed and decontaminated. That is sanctification. Those instruments that that doctor is using are instruments that are sanctified, set apart for a very 
particular and specific task. They are cleaned. And every time they're used, they have to be cleaned again. When it says that Jeremiah was sanctified, that's what that means. God chose him, set him apart, cleansed him, and wanted to use him. God has sanctified us over and over again in the New Testament, especially in Paul's writings. We, are, we have been sanctified. We are the sanctified Chosen, set apart for God. We live in this world. The Bible says we uh, are in this world, but not of this world. But guess what? This world is dirty. It's contaminated. We spend our time, we spend our lives trudging through this wicked, dirty world. And guess what? You're going to get dirty. So we have to, there's that sanctification, that sanctifying work that God has done when he saved it. But there is a continual sanctification that you and I need to go through as we confess our sins. So that when God says, hey, I'm ready, your turn, you're, you're up, buddy. I've got surgery to perform. Are you ready? Can you be used of God? Or did you fall on the ground? Because if a doctor in the process of the surgery, if, if one of those instruments hit the ground at any time, what does he do? He picks it up and goes back to work? No. He has to put it away. It can't be used. It's contaminated. God sanctified. When he saved us, we were sanctified. But we have to continue to walk in such a way, to live our lives in such a way where we are ready, where when God needs us, when somebody needs to know about him, when we're at work and we have a, 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 a coworker that's struggling, that's depressed, God says, you're up, buddy. When we're at school and we're studying, we're playing with our friends or hanging out, God says, you're up. It's your turn that you're ready because you're sanctified and God wants to use us. And it says that he was sanctified from the womb and ordained a prophet unto the nations. And it's interesting because then, Je then Jeremiah says, then said I, ah, Lord God, I am but a child. I can't do what you want me to do. I can't speak. You know what? We're no different than Jeremiah. Man, God, we know God wants to use us. How many times have you guys been sitting out there hearing pastors preaching or, 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 or somebody else and you fell under conviction? Boy, you know, there's that one person that really needs to hear the gospel. I know it. Or, or God's calling me to do this. I, I know he is. He's put this on my heart. And then the excuses start rolling in. Oh, Lord, you just, you can't call, you can't ask me to do this right now. I don't know what to say. I'm not a pastor. I haven't gone to, to Bible school. I don't know how to talk to people. I'm just a nervous ball, you know, a, 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 a ball of nervous, I can't even think of the word. 
Yeah, you guys know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I can't do that. Or, or, or God, the, you just got to wait. The timing's not right. You don't know, you don't understand, God, what's going on in my life. I just, God, if you, if you only knew, you wouldn't be asking this of me. You're asking the wrong person. Oh, wait a minute. Let's back up. Before you were even a thought, God knows you. He knew you then, and he knows you now. Perfectly. God doesn't ask us to do things that we're not capable of doing either. So if he's put something in your heart, if you've been convicted, guess what? Guess what God says about your excuse? Verse 7, but the Lord said unto me, say not, I am a child. God says, I don't want to hear about your excuses. You don't think I know? Man, you, you think God doesn't, didn't know how old Jeremiah was? You think God didn't know what was going on in Jeremiah's life? Oh, he knew. He knew perfectly. He says, I don't want to hear your excuses. Don't give me your excuses. I'm God, not you. I'm the Lord. Don't give me your excuses. Don't give me your excuses. It says, you will go. He says, for thou shalt go to all I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. You know, to me this is really comforting. I'll be honest with you. There's times where, boy, there's situations I don't know what to say. People come to me for counsel, for advice, or something's going on, and, and a lot of times they're older people. And they're going through things that, man, I just never experienced. They're in a different stage of life. And I go, boy, Lord, I don't know what to say. And then I remember, you know what? God's word is sufficient. God's word has all the answers. He's already spoken. it. He's already given it to us. Our job is just to share what What's already there? We don't have to make things up. We don't have to be, you know, smart scholars, you know, with doctorate degrees and, and counseling. We just need to share what's already there. But you know what? How can we do that if we don't know what's here? We need to know God's word. And it's not that hard. You know, when you think about it, we fight the flesh every step of the way, and that's the battle. That's where it gets hard. But as far as the, the, it's right there, I'm sure every single one of you have at least one, if not five, Bibles in your, in your possession. Or a dozen copies on your digital devices. There's no excuse. Don't. God takes away the excuses. God knows what's in your life. God knows what's going on. And he wants to use you. He wants to use us. And, Jer and God continues to speak to Jeremiah. So verse 10 says, See, I have this day set thee over nations and over kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, and to build, and to plant. God wants to use you and I. 
He, he has a task in mind. We, he knows us. He will not ask us to do anything that is outside of, uh, uh, of his abilities. And he has given us all things, the Bible says, that we need in order to do the task that he's called us to. What are the things that he's given us? Well, first, the word of God. Second, the Holy Spirit. What more do we need? What more do we need? The Holy Spirit will guide and direct us to know truth according to his word. It will teach us in all things according to his word. There is no excuse. God takes away the excuses. Don't give God an excuse because he already knows. And he's already planned for everything imaginable that can possibly face you or I. But there's a warning. And we're going to look at this and, and then we'll say, and then we'll be done. Skip down with me to verse 17. It says, Thou therefore, God speaking to Jeremiah, you, gird up your loins, arise, and speak unto them all that I have commanded thee. Be not dismayed at their faces. And here's the warning. Lest I confound you. Lest I confound thee before them. We often think, you know, it's no big deal if I say no, God, no to God. He understands. You know, there'll be other opportunities. There's, there'll be another time. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. Probably, there probably will be. But don't think for a moment that it's okay to say no to God. Because you do damage to your own life and your own walk with God each and every time that you say no. Each and every time you give God an excuse. Lord, I can't do this. Lord, you just don't understand. Lord, don't ask me to do that. God wants to richly reward us and bless us. But guess what? He doesn't bless or reward disobedience. Never. God never rewards or blesses disobedience. You might think, well, my life's pretty good. So God must be blessing me. You know what? One of the worst things that can happen to a Christian is that their hearts get hard towards God. You can come to church. You can have a good life. Everything can be going well, but your heart can be hard towards God. And you might not even be aware of it because you've said no to God so many times. You've given God so many excuses that your heart is hard already and you're not even aware of it. There is no scarier place for a Christian to be than to have a hard heart towards God. And every time we tell God to wait, every time we say, you know what, Lord, it's just not the right time. Or, or we stay 
you know, maybe we come to the altar even, we say, Lord, I'll do it. I, 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 you know, I, I promise you, this time I'm going to do it. And then as soon as we get into our car, man, we're thinking about the football game or we're thinking about work or we're thinking about something else and we just forget. God says, do what I have told you to do. Obey me, because if you don't, I might just confound. And that word confound means destroy. I might just destroy you instead. Because I have chosen you. I have called you. I have sanctified you. I know you. I prepared you. And if you say no, well, I might just cast my judgment upon you. And for us as Christians, that's usually as we begin to develop a hard heart towards God and towards the things of God. And it's a dangerous place to be. I've said no to God before. I still say no sometimes. I don't want to. And I, when I recognize it, when I'm aware of it, I ask the Lord to forgive me because I don't want to have a hard heart towards God. I don't want to get to the place where God stops using me. It can happen to any of us. God has called you and I. He wants us to serve Him. He wants to reward our lives. He wants to bless us. He wants us to walk with Him. He wants to live and show us His power that we would have victory over sin, that we would know Him in a real, personal, and intimate way, that we could say with all honestly, Lord, You are good. I love You with all my heart. How many of us really feel that way about God, though? Maybe your heart has been hardened and you're not aware of it. It's not too late. God says to Jeremiah, I have made you a defense city. I will protect you. Verse 19, it says, They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. Thee, for I am with thee, saith the Lord. When we obey God. We have the promise of His presence with us. It doesn't say life's going to be easy. And you know what? We don't know what will happen. We don't know what God will require of us. He might require our lives. But I guarantee you, it's worth it. God is good. He wants all of us to serve Him. Not, as, not all of us are called to be missionaries. Not all of us are called to be pastors. But you have been called, make no mistake. And the best place to start is right where you find yourself right now. Where are you in your life? Where has God allowed you to be? Your work, your family, your education? Start there. Start serving God. Start being the light. Start when, when God says, now's the time. This person needs to know. And now's the pro appropriate time. Answer yes, Lord. Don't harden your 
hearts like the children of Israel did. And God destroyed them. Everyone over the age of 20, as they're wandering through the wilderness, except for two people, Joshua and Caleb, they hardened their hearts against God, and God destroyed them. We destroy ourselves when we say no to God. Don't do it. Give yourself. Allow God to use you and live your way in such a live your life in such a way that you walk with God. And so when He calls, when He says, Oh, it's surgery, it's time. Where's my tools? You say, I'm right here, Lord. Ready and waiting and sanctified. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the many examples that you've given us. Lord, you've called each and every one of us. If there is somebody here, Lord, that is not a child of yours, who is not saved, Lord, you've even called them to be saved, to get saved. Lord, you died on the cross for the sins of all mankind. That whosoever will should not perish, but have everlasting life. Maybe there's somebody here, Lord, that needs you tonight. We pray, Lord, that you would work in their hearts and lives. Somebody that's listening, that has not received Jesus Christ as their Savior, who has not experienced the forgiveness of their sins and the relationship with you. Lord, you have called. Even tonight, you have called. Come unto me. Trust in me tonight. If that is you, I encourage you, talk with somebody tonight. Call the pastor. Call one of the deacons. Talk to somebody about your salvation, about your eternity. For those who have trusted in you, Lord, for those of us that are Christians, you've called each and every one of us to your service. Lord, as we look through your word, we find that the, the reward in heaven is the reward of faithfulness. Lord, let us be faithful to you, to you alone, to know you, to walk with you. Lord, that we would say yes I'm here, and I'm ready. Use me, Lord. I'm willing. Help us, Lord, to answer you with honest hearts and to give you, to yield ourselves to you. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you've done. Pray that you guide and direct the rest of this evening. Lord, that you would be, receive all the honor, all of the praise, and all of the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Real quick, uh, about five minutes. My video is eight minutes, so I'm uh, just going to take just a second. I just uh, I, the video that we we are we're going to share with you tonight. It's just a real quick overview, uh, just kind of a bird's eye view of the different things, our diff the different ministries that we're involved with in Bolivia. There's not a lot of the, actually. There's no talking. Um, so I just want to explain to you just some of the things that we're involved in. We're, we are currently working with three different churches in the mountain region, mountainous regions in the Andes Mountains. Uh, Philadelphia is the town where we live. It is not the Philadelphia here in the States. It is <laughs> Philadelphia, Bolivia, and uh, it's a town of about 300 people, uh, not 30,000. Uh, we moved to that town about four years, five years ago. 
And we've been working there ever since. Uh, the, door, the church was about at the point where they're about ready to stop meeting. They're about ready to close up their doors. We were in another town at the time uh, when we got a knock on the door. And um, these three ladies had been doing everything they can to hold on uh, church. They'd get together and pray. And that was all they could do. There wasn't, they didn't have a, a pastor or any leader, any, any kind of preaching of God's word. They heard that I was in the area. They came and asked, you know, is there anything you can do? Can you, you know, uh, we're struggling. We need help. I said, uh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> I said, you know, we, we were in a time of transition ourselves, just praying, seeking God's will. Uh, it was, without going into a long story, because it is a long story, it was God's perfect timing and God's perfect will. And so we started going over there and we started working with the church. I started going over there Saturday nights and Sunday nights. It was about uh, 45 minutes, 15 minutes from where we lived. Uh, church started at, they were doing church at eight o'clock at night. And so I wouldn't take the family. I'd just go by myself. And we did that for about Two months when God just really confirmed that that is where God was preparing us for. That's where God wanted us. We started to look for a place to live down there. God graciously provided a lot. We began construction immediately. Um, and now, uh, and, and God just miraculously worked there uh, right away. Those three women were so excited that there was going to be somebody to preach God's word. They went around to all the houses, all their friends, all their neighbors, and told them, there's, you know, we got a preacher, come on out to church, come on out. Uh, probably 45 people showed up the first service that I was there. And uh, almost all of them have stayed since. And we've, uh, we've lost a few, of course, but gained others along the way. And through that, God has opened the opportunity for us to, to open the doors of another church up in the mountains called Rodeo, another town, about 180, 200 people. Their church had been closed for 10 years. This used to be a thriving church of 60, 70 plus people. Imagine in a town of a, a hundred, <laughs> that's like 70% of the population. <laughs> and, uh, but through circumstances and over time, the church had closed its doors. The church, they had their own building, in fact, and it was being used for crop storage. Is Dirty, filthy, covered in uh, uh, dirt and mice running through there. One of the brothers there uh, who, who grew up in that church but had kind of uh, not walked away from God but was going to another church in that place he came to me and said, I just really feel burdened. I think we need to try to do something up in, in this community. And I told him, I said, are you willing to help? He said, yes. So I said, okay, let's do it. We prayed about it first, of course. And very similar situation. He went around and started inviting everybody. The first service there, we had 25 people. And we've, we've grown the, the kids. Uh, we, it's not uncommon for us to have 25 kids on any given Sunday in the children's ministry. He's come a long way, brother. His name is Stephen, Esteban. Uh, I've been working with him, discipling him. Uh, we meet once a week for classes and discipleship. To, uh, through through Lord's leading in his life, he's now basically pastoring that church. Uh, he hasn't been anything official yet. I'm hoping when we get back, hopefully and praying, that we can make this an official thing and that he would be taking that church on permanently. He's doing a wonderful job. 
the Lord opened up the opportunities for us to be in another town about 10 minutes away. It's the larger of the three towns. It's called Kirusias. It's about five to 700 people. Uh, another church struggling, no pastor. A couple men in, their, in the congregation that would teach, uh, read the Bible at least, and they'd pray. And they just, they've been doing that for a number of years. So they asked me if I'd be able to help. I said, well, you know, I'm kind of busy with these other two churches. I said, and they met on Sundays. I said, there's really no chance I can get over here on Sunday because I'm in these other places. I said, but you guys are, you guys are doing what you can. Here's what I can do. Uh, why don't we get together uh, for, for Bible studies, for, for seminary-type classes? Let's study God's Word. Let me help you, teach you how to preach, how to study God's Word, how to preach God's Word. They're like, yeah, let's do it. And so we've been uh, doing seminary classes. I've been doing seminary classes with them for the past three years. Man, they've really grown. It's been so exciting to see them hunger and thirst after God's Word. And now they're preaching and they're teaching in their, in their, their own church. And it's just been such an exciting uh, part to be uh, just, it's been so exciting to be a part of all that. All this God just over and over opening the doors and, and literally just pushing us through. And I, I, I honestly feel like, like a, a bystander most of the time, <laughs> just watching God work and saying, wow, God, you are amazing. This is so fun. This is awesome. Now, it's not all fun. <laughs> There's times where it's tough, but God is always good. And it has been such a privilege to be, and, and, and Sandy has had such wonderful opportunities with the women. The women there have been such an encouragement. They are the ones, especially in, the, in, in Philadelphia and Rodeo, they are the ones that are really on fire. The men are starting to come along, but it started out that their women are just dragging them along, you know, just, come on, you got to go to church. Get up, get, get out of bed. Come on, we're going. Yeah, I'm, you're not getting dinner if you don't come to church. Literally, I'm not kidding. It was so okay. All right, if I want to eat, I better go. But it's changing. It's changing by God's grace. The men are coming along, growing, and Sandy's been able to disciple them and and lead them in Bible studies and and see them take up where she left off. We're here on furlough. They're still they were still doing Bible studies. Um, COVID really messed things up a lot. Um, it's been hard. Uh, they were, it was complete lockdown when we left, complete shutdown. So um, uh, that's, been, that's been a struggle. Things are opening up. Uh, we're waiting to see what's going to happen with this second appearance of COVID uh, to see how things are going to go. But last I heard, the churches are, are back together meeting consistently, and um, it, they're growing. They're they're continuing on in the work. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.